Hey guys, it's Mina. Before we get started today, I wanted to remind you to follow First Take Her Take wherever you get your pods. Every week, Charlie, Kimberly, and Al dish about the latest in sports and pop culture. Get in on the conversation wherever you get your pods. Also, if you're looking for world-class soccer, ESPN Plus is where to find it. I've been watching a lot of soccer lately, so this is pertinent to my interests. The best teams, the biggest stars, and over 20 international leagues and tournaments. La Liga, Bundesliga, MLS, FA Cup, Copa del Rey, and more. Sign up now at ESPNplus.com. Welcome back to the Minicon Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts insists that it isn't hot boy summer, it's good boy summer. That's Lenny. I'm Minicon's. I am joined today by a second time guest now, back by popular demand by me. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure others actually. It's Arif Azad who covers the Vikings for the Athletics. So naturally, I invited him to preview the AFC North. Arif, welcome back. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, so part of the reason I just, I don't know why I'm telling you about this, but well, I, I guess it does. I did beg the question, raise the question. We're not talking about the NFC North is that I'm waiting till the end of the summer to talk about the NFC North because um, I want to see what happens with one Aaron Rodgers. Uh, if it, it would be kind of weird to do a preview now. I feel like I said, there's a few teams that are in a state of flux, but none of those teams are the AFC North because all of these teams have quarterbacks in place. And I actually found this division I feel like God. I'm gonna I, okay. Every time I feel like if you drink every time I say at the beginning of these division previews, I found this division more interesting after preparing for it. <laughs> You'd be wasted, but I did. I feel like the my perception was this is kind of a there's a very obvious top two, and then there's this bottom two, and then the question is whether the Bengals and the Steelers can kind of crawl back. What well, the Steelers would they finish first last year, but whether they can compete. I still feel that way, but I actually feel like those two teams are, they're not, they're, they're more interesting, Arif, than I thought before I did Yeah, that. when you said that there was a clear top two, I was actually kind of curious you who your top two were, but I, I guess you're you're a known Steelers hater, so I shouldn't have. I am not that. a known Steelers. I, <laughs> what did I say yes? Oh, I was, I praised Juju Smith-Schuster over the weekend, which apparently, by the way, I was like, here, here you go. Is, it, is that in man. line with what Steelers Twitter wants? Like, no, it's like... not. I learned very quickly. <laughs> I was, well, because I was watching in preparation of this podcast, I watched some of the last few games from the stretch where the offense kind of imploded and like Juju Smith-Schuster was good. <laughs> it's not his fault. Juju, if you're listening, it's not your fault. And yet you did go back. Um, so that's on you, bud. But we're, we're going to talk about the Steelers. <laughs> We're going to talk about all four teams. I thought it would be a good, I don't know, starting point to begin with Cleveland because it feels like Cleveland has the most hype. I don't know. I don't have a finger on the zeitgeist, but they're very, they're like the, the elite on paper roster. Um, and I agree with some of that, but I do have some questions and I felt like it would be worth kind of asking you just kind of asking whether or not we might be overrating aspects of this roster. So let's begin with the Cleveland offense. Um, this is an offense, obviously that rebounded in a huge way last year, finished 10th in passing DVOA, seventh in rushing DVOA. Um, you know, we know the drill it's Kevin Stefanski coming from the Shanahan McVay school of outside zone, a lot of play action, 
um, moving pockets, um, you know, shot plays for Baker, very elite run game. I guess to me, the most divisive part is not whether that can continue because they brought every, like everyone's back. It's whether Baker deserves this a big contract or whether like, is he more, is he a top tier quarterback or is he destined for the Jared Goff, Jimmy G school of quarterbacks who are eventually exposed in this system? Yeah. I, well, so first I think like it's, it's so easy to want to maybe overrate the Browns because like, how can you not cheer for the Browns? How can you not like hope that they do well? Uh, and then of course they, they finally do it. Like, Cause I think we've been asking for like a decade, is this the Browns year? And then it was right. And so, you know, maybe they'll, they'll continue it. And, yeah, there's a really good chance of that. I think um, one of the things that's like kind of bothering me a little bit is just like they didn't do a lot to add to the offense. And in a league that's like constantly upgrading, like that's kind of the the whole deal that like might not feel like enough. Um, I, I guess like if if like uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, for example, like if he continues to develop like you know because his rookie year flew like super under the radar we had like all these barrage of rookie wide receiver seasons uh and uh, and he like exceeded expectations and that's kind of worth noting but yeah I, I think on the topic of like baker um we're we're not usually this far into a quarterback's career uh before you know it feels like you know hey there's a little bit more to the story with baker like i don't like i don't know if we know enough with baker which is just like pretty unusual for for how quickly we, we tend to to figure out uh young quarterbacks i think for baker we just kind of want hey maybe maybe one more year because you know that last half of his rookie year was really good you know he was uh not really performing well under the under the kitchens regime and then you've got this system that is a system right like jared goff performed really well and then he didn't uh and so with baker you kind of want to f- determine kind of how much is him and how much is not um, I've kind of always liked him just because, you know, he's always been a super accurate quarterback. He's been able to get good ball placement on the run. He seems like he's perfectly fit for this kind of system. Um, you know, he's always going to hold on to the ball a long time. Like even if you take a look at his non-play action dropbacks, he's kind of holding onto the ball a lot. And so if you put him in a system that, that takes advantage of that, you know, with the heavy rollout play action stuff, uh, it, it feels like you're, you're really taking advantage of the stuff that he does well. Um, I, I feel like he is probably never going to be an elite quarterback, but he's going to be a lot better than those quarterbacks where you say, hey, you can get the job done with him, right? Like, you can win a Super Bowl with that guy. is always kind of like a backhanded compliment. Right. And I feel like he's better than that, but he's not going to be like, yeah, he's definitely a top five guy. I, um, it'd be fun if he was. Well, this is pertinent, pertinent to your jurisdiction. I think he's kind of like Kirk Cousins. Like... Which, by the way, I think Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. I don't think he's a great quarterback. I don't think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But I think they have a lot of similar qualities in terms of the accuracy, the fit for the system. There will be points in games where things break down and they're forced to either extend or or, or just you know drop back. And um, they're not able to sort of elevate the team consistently. Because sometimes they do, both of them, I think the way, you know, your Mahomes, Wilsons, whatever's do. But again, still a very good quarterback. I think, it, I find the Baker discourse like really fascinating because it, it really feels like there's not a consensus amongst people I respect, by the way. Like, I, that's what I find so fascinating about him is like, I don't know. I think you can kind of put your 
finger on the pulse of the guys that, you know, people are, that you like to listen to and read and, and you hear a lot of consistent trains. Oh, actually, you know, Ryan Tannehill was pretty good or whatever. With Baker, it's just so divisive. And I think a lot of it has to do with what you said, which is it is unusual to be this far into a career and have this much uncertainty, but it is a product of circumstances, the turnover in coaching and scheme and the injuries. And then suddenly, you know, just the offensive line getting so much better so quickly. Um, you know, it is a little bit alarming, the splits between when he was kept clean and when he was under pressure, 10th in passer rating uh, amongst quarterbacks kept clean, 23rd under pressure. His off target percentage also falls off. But again, he plays behind a very good offensive line. That doesn't solve the question of whether you should pay him. It just addresses whether or not I think he'll do well next year. And I do, in part because you, you mentioned, you know, you said the offense, what did they do to get better? Well, I mean, they are bringing back a guy who at one point was one of the best five receivers in the NFL. And this brings us to the great mystery of the Browns offense, which is why is it worse with Odell Beckham Jr.? Is it a small sample size issue? Can injecting him into this offense elevate it and perhaps, you know, stave off any regression in the passing attack? Yeah, I think um, with a, a if, with a lot of receivers, I, I'm going to say like with a lot of blank, we get blank, but this is different somehow. We're, like prepare for that for the whole podcast. But oh for a lot of receivers where, where you're like, yeah, man, uh, he's going to live up to who he was. You know, maybe this is the year that a healthy Odell Beckham like lives up to who he's been in the past. For a lot of those guys, it's like one year or one year and a half um where where you're pointing to and saying that's the part of the career where they've been elite and you know maybe they'll be able to return to that but for Beckham it was like a solid four years where he was like a 90 yeah. yards a game receiver right and then after that it was just like kind of touch and go uh and there have been injuries right in the past and and he also kind of suffered from from like the weird Browns coaching turnover um see it's very easy to believe him and I know that because he's been on my fantasy like my dynasty team for like nine years now it's been <laughs> Uh, oh, no. fun up his ups and downs. I actually, I traded him this season uh, and I had to change my team name for the first time. It was brutal. Um, but yeah, I, really <laughs> I, I mean, I, it's tough for me to look at when Odell Beckham was like truly elite. It's tough for me to look at that and say, well, that's a fluke, right? Because it wasn't just like pure physical advantage that's going to go away because of injury, which I mean, a lot of it was, I mean, he's a remarkably quick guy. But, I mean, he was just, like, this inherently talented route runner. And, like, that probably is not going to go away. The way that, you know, he he understands leverage and how to run a route and, and ways to get open. Um, it's not entirely dependent on, on what his physical skills are. Uh, and to the extent that it is, you know, maybe the return from injury is going to kind of supercharge that. Um, so, you know, you, you get, you get Odell Beckham back. They did get a third round pick in Anthony Schwartz. Um, and he's like one of those super easy candidates to be like one of uh, my guy kind of in the draft because, you know, he's got this crazy speed. There are moments where, where, you know, his kind of on-field quickness tells you maybe he can develop into a route runner, but I don't know if he's ready to contribute in 2021. I also thought that about people's Jones. So maybe I'm wrong. Um, but, you know, and, and you get, you know, Nick Chubb is, is hopefully going to be healthy for more games. They did get Demetric Felton, who's like fascinating, right? He's a running back horse or, or like whatever, right? So yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess really the star of the offense is the offensive line, right? And, yes. and like the work that Bill Callahan's done. Uh, Wyatt, Wyatt Teller is crazy, right? Because when he was with the Bills, he's just not that good, just period. And here, I mean, he played like one of the best guards in the NFL, and he might not be the best guard on the team. Uh, Jedrick Wills, Jack Conklin, phenomenal pass protectors, pretty good run uh, run blockers. 
a JC Treader, uh, just kind of one of those weird, like, how did the, how did he walk away from the Packers? Oh, the Packers offensive line is too stacked. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like that's, that's, you get the entire offensive line back. It's tough for me not to believe that the offense is just going to be good. Like, yes. yeah, maybe you don't get, uh, the same Odell Beckham. Maybe you have to rely on Richard Higgins more or whoever, right? Maybe Anthony Schwartz has to contribute earlier. Maybe Jarvis Landry has to just be, um, you know, a bigger player in the offense, whatever, man, they got that offensive line. Yeah, it uh, it's funny. It's like the offensive line is so good. We don't even really need to talk about them, kind of. I mean, there you, you could fear, oh, maybe there'll be some regression or, it, you know, they're not particularly deep. But like Jedrick Wills was a rookie last year. <laughs> He'll probably be better this year. Um, you mentioned his run blocking. And, you know, that it, it's... The group is also so well coached and consistent that even if any of these guys was to suffer, you know, a, a, I don't know, set out a few games or whatever with injury, there's hope that backups like uh, who did they draft this year? Chris Hubbard, um, or that wasn't this year. Um, well, they got James Hudson, Hudson. James Hudson, yeah, right. That they can come in and and play well because it'll just be kind of one piece out. I think it, it, the interesting thing about the Browns' offense is like. It's not going to look the same after this year. Like, this is the year. Like, Chubb, you know, they got to pay Baker and Chubb. Dan Teller, by the way, who's going to be a free agent. Higgins is on a one-year oh, deal. Landry and Beckham, both they can potentially part ways from with not massive cap hits after this season. So it kind of feels like this is it. This is like we got the band together. Let's see how everyone – and I think it's going to be really decisive for those wide receivers, by the way, because if they do decide to pay Chubb or Mayfield, I imagine, you know, that's going to be where somebody has to go. So I, I'm optimistic about the Browns offense. I'm also optimistic about the Browns defense, but you know, we just got to see it together. Like this is a defense that was incredibly banged up last season, especially in the secondary, you know, um, and lost Olivier Vernon, which was sneaky big down the stretch. Sheldon Richardson's gone. Uh, they brought in Jadevian Clowney, Tack McKinley to help with the pass rush, defensive tackle, still a question mark. And then of course, you know, went, super super heavy on investing in the secondary i'll be curious to just kind of see how they play because so right. joe was their defensive coordinator like you know th this is a defense that was super zone heavy didn't blitz a lot tried to keep everything in front of them but i believe a lot of that was just the product of the talent available to him so i don't know how he's going to like what sort of coverage he's going to lean on with this group because we just haven't seen any of them together yeah, like I don't know what to do with this, but yeah, we expect it to be better, right? Like it was it was below average as a defense, but we get John Johnson and Troy Hill and they drafted Greg Newsom and Grant Del Pete comes back and you know, we were supposed to get Greedy Williams back last year um in a in a system that was, you know, better for him, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 you didn't. So you basically get another draft pick with with Grant Del Pete. And plus you get maybe uh like the real Greedy Williams, right? Uh, and, you know, Denzel Ward's been serviceable, right? And so you get all of, I mean, that's that's like five players in the secondary where you're like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Uh, Troy Hill is like a really fascinating one because if you take a look at his, like, just as like raw PFF grade or whatever, through the roof. But, you know, he got to play opposite Jalen Ramsey and he got to play with John Johnson, which, you know, hey, he gets to play with him again. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that system, I think there was not a lot of confidence in Troy Hill translating that outside of the Rams. And I think that's fair. Um, so, you know, question mark there, question mark with the rookie and Greg Newsom. Um, but it's it's probably just better, right? Like you take a look at what that secondary was 
halfway through the season last year. And you take a look at what it is this year, and it's difficult to imagine that it's like worse, right? And so it's probably better. <laughs> um, uh, up front, like uh, you mentioned losing Sheldon Richardson and, and you don't really know what to do with tackle. I think actually it was kind of sneaky good to get Malik Jackson. He was actually a really good sub package producer in Philly last year. Um, I think well, he only had like 500 snaps, but he was like top 20 in total pressures among interior defenders or something like that. And like Clowney is like super easy to kind of dismiss, but as a, as a complimentary pass rusher, that's great. Totally. I think um, you know, with miles Garrett. So I feel like it'll be fine up front. I just, I don't know what to do with like Owusu Koromoa, right? Because He's like a safety slash linebacker, but they've got we we just discussed that secondary. It's going to be kind of weird playing him in more of a secondary role. Um, like he's a steal. Like there's no question that the Browns made the right move. I think from a draft Twitter perspective, right made made the right move after he like fell in the second. But like, what do you really do with him at linebacker if you're going to play him as a true linebacker? Is he good enough? Probably. I don't know. Right away, um, the linebacker unit was not like killing people last year so it's probably an upgrade but mm. i don't know this is a super question marky defense but for where they were that's it's probably a good thing right because question marks is better than like you're certain that they're bad yeah i'll be curious to see how much wusu korma Wu they call him Wu. how much he actually plays um really fun player right at notre dame uh good in coverage super hard-hitting tackler uh, but one thing I've noticed over the last few years is a lot of these rookie off-ball linebackers have kind of struggled coming into the NFL. Yeah. Think of like uh, we're going to talk about Patrick Queen in Baltimore, um, for example. Uh, so it, it's just a, it's it's hard to like where they got him in the draft. Fantastic. It's hard for me to know if he's going to really augment a group that was lacking last year and. Um, struggled to stop the run. By the way, speaking of the run, Clowney, for all of the dings on him as a pass rusher, oh, I, yeah. he's incredible. Phenomenal incredible run, run defense. Oh my so God. He'll help them a wow. lot on that front. I actually, when I was watching a little bit of the Browns D-line, I liked 96, Jordan Elliott, um, who's a young yeah, player. Missouri, who might, right? yeah. Yes, who might get a chance to start. They did draft Tommy Togiai. I had start. So like all of it, again, just like the theme here is they've got There's a lot pieces. of those tackle-ish guys in this yes. division. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so the Browns defense has a lot of really good pieces. And the question is, to me, the, the three biggest questions are, okay, are John Johnson and Troy Hill going to look as good as they did in the Rams defense outside the Rams defense? I think Troy Hill playing mm-hmm. in the slot, he'll be, he'll be good. He struggled a bit sort of on the outside sometimes with LA. Second question is, outside of Garrett, can you get a pass rush? Is it going to be Clowney? Is it going to be Tack? Who who are you going to get it from? And then actually, I think Porter Gustin might be more effective than Tack. That that's really? going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, he was he like he flashed a lot last year, right? Um, so, and I'm I'm not a huge Tack guy, so I would not be shocked yeah. if if uh, Porter Gustin outsnapped him and was like a really impactful member of like their sub package. Well, look, you're playing with. Miles Garrett and Javon Clowney, you should be able to benefit from that. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, especially in South Africa. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, and then the third thing I was going to say is I'll just be curious to see in the secondary who wins out. Like, does uh, mm-hmm. Williams start? Does Newsom start? You know, like the, there, there's some interesting competition going on. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. I think it'll be, oh, 
I just realized I was just looking at the depth chart. They have cornerback AJ Green. Wow. Okay. Yeah, they've got it's like a cornerback AJ Green. Where's cornerback Lamar Jackson? Jackson? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Broken brains or something. Oh, Poor <laughs> yeah. cornerback Lamar Jackson. I always say, like that's oh he's on the Jets. Huh. Interesting. Good for him. Yeah, I think, okay. uh, one, one, one thing to also add here, I think just in terms of overall uh, developmental league juju, they're doing pretty well because they've got Michael Dunn and Dernis Johnson, AAF superstar. So I'm oh, going to I'm going to yeah. say just love that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to say that they've got they've got good things going for them. Unfortunately, the Steelers also have some pretty good developmental league guys. So we'll, we'll see. But I think that's the X factor here. Daryl Hodge, uh, Rams preseason superstar. I I continue to oh. stand him and male model. Um, yeah, I okay. Fantastic. We're, we're gonna after we talk about the teams. I want to get your Rams and Browns Twitter. Sorry, Browns versus Ravens <laughs> take because I'm still I go back and forth on who I think is going to win this division and. Um, yeah, I, I, let, let, let's get through it first and then talk about it. Um, but, but let's sure. put up the Ram, the Ravens. I, I, let's talk about a team I don't think is going to win the division, but I do think is going to be better, and that is the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I have, I'm going to start with like a sort of hot take. I kind of like this Uh-oh. Bengals defense. I, like, I uh... don't, I, I think, <laughs> like, I looked at the depth chart and I said to myself, wow. There's, there's some guys. I like what they've done. I'm gonna I'm gonna go that far. I like no, what they've yes, done. I don't think they're um, going to be look, this is a Bengals defense that finished 27th versus the pass and 21st versus the run. And like a lot of people, I didn't love the Hendrickson for Lawson swap out. I don't think it's like massive drop-off, to be honest, though, but it just didn't make sense to me. But just going through other than linebacker, which is a bit of a question mark, like let's start, let's go back to front. This secondary could be decent. So you got Trey Waynes coming back from injury, whom you know from Minnesota. Uh, Chidobia Wuzier, Mike mm-hmm. Hilton in the slots, sniping him from mm-hmm. a division rival. Uh, and then the safety duo of Von Bell and Jesse Bates, one of the better safety duos in the NFL. Tell me that this isn't a decent secondary. This this is a secondary that screams high floor to me, except for Jesse Bates, who was just out, out of this world last year. I mean, he's a yeah. high ceiling guy. If he can keep that up, I mean, he's going to, he, he's going to splash onto the scene because I, I don't know if like there's room for there to be another kind of high level safety to enter the conversation. Um, but uh, he should be in that conversation as, as one of the better safeties in the league, if he keeps that up again this year. So he's the high ceiling guy. The rest of me is a bunch of high floor guys. Right. Like Trey Waynes is like maybe the embodiment of that. Von Bell is, is pretty good. But um, the the real question for me is Mike Hilton, because he was really good at what he was asked to do for the Steelers and like not that great when he was outside of his comfort zone. I, he might be the best coverage corner that they have right now. Maybe, maybe not. But like, yeah, I mean, he's this phenomenal blitzing cornerback. Right. And he is like, pretty decent in coverage and that's a lot better than where they were last year so i can't i can't hate it but it's it's a very kind of high floor coverage situation (laughs) Um, i'm trying to i'm I'm careful hilton because like i'm about to say that's a big loss for the steelers and by i I think it is but that's like a schematic thing we need to say it's a gain for the bank (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean like you can't if you're gonna take it away from pittsburgh yeah i've got this i'm I'm so prepared 
talk about how how the Steelers might handle the loss of Mike Hilton. I've got a hot take about about the Steelers defense okay. involving him that will it's not that it's not as hot as your take, but um I take but yeah decent. I I think Rock, Browns maybe even Yeah, okay. I think the Browns might benefit more from Mike Hilton not playing for the Steelers or oh. the Bengals benefit more from Mike Hilton not playing for the Steelers <laughs> than oh. actively playing for them. And he's not bad, and I liked the signing. It's just like, are, I mean, are they going to ask him to do what the Steelers did? If they did, I'm on board, right? But, like, yeah, he's, he's like, fine. Yeah. He's better than fine. I shouldn't. I shouldn't do that. But uh, um, I don't know. It's just hard for me to take a look at this roster and and be super excited about, outside of Jesse Bates, be super excited about who they have. If Logan Wilson takes another step forward, I and mean, he was pretty good last year, so um, if Logan Wilson takes a step forward uh, and and he can, like, utilize his athleticism even more, he could become, like, a keystone kind of defender at linebacker. Hmm. But it, I take a look at this and I say, that's a lot of, like, pretty good guys. But I don't know if there's anybody that it really is. excites me outside of Jesse. It's a lot of pretty good guys. Like, up front, so I mentioned Hendrickson, then I've got Sam Hubbard, uh, and then on the inside, DJ Reader, who I think got back like week hurt week one or maybe in the preseason. That was yeah, like yeah, yeah, that's one of my be big. He's a really good. He is. He's like uh, extremely. If you want to sound like you watch football, say DJ Reader is really underrated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I pulled that one out a lot when the Bengals signed him, and then he probably got hurt. But then they've got Ogunjobi. Uh, they drafted Joe Asai, uh, who's a pass rusher. Mike Daniels is on this team. These are all NFL players. Like they're all pretty good. You yeah, Mike know? Daniels is on this team. That's, yeah, that was. That but was... he's not a starter. Like, he's depth. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like I mean, like these so, uh, are these are all pretty good players. And if let's it, say it's kind of interesting because I take a look at at Reader and Ogunjobi and I think well, there's a nose tackle and then there's a nose tackle and a three techniques body um, hmm. in Ogunjobi. Yeah, okay. and uh, like I don't like is, where are they going to get that pass rush because Trey Hendrickson um, was like the league leader in unblocked sacks, right? Right, and and so I don't want to say that he's a bad player. He's a good player. It's just very easy to get enamored with kind of that sack total. So I don't know where the pass rush really comes from, unless uh, Joseph Osai. I mean, it's asking a lot for like a third round rookie to be the staple of a pass rush. Um, mm. So. Yeah, I don't I don't really know where the pass rush is coming from. I expect this team to be pretty good at stopping the run, I guess. Um, but I think a lot of the their ability to stop the pass will will come back to front, which it should for most teams, but like without a complimentary pass rush, I well, I feel kind of yeah. Yeah, going back to Hilton, who um gosh, I he had yeah maybe, maybe they blitz him yeah he's had I would yeah love that. he had three sacks last year um but well add that I to the think, sack total yeah that hendrickson it's funny because i was like standing him for a while and but i stand him as like an underrated like number two yeah, and, I, was, I was there too. He was like a draft crush of mine way back in what was it, 2017, yeah, 2018? When I watched like the Saints preseason, I'd be like, dang, that guy's pretty good. And then um he got paid like he's great. And I don't know if he's great. Yeah, and now we now we have to talk about like, li- Onyamata or whoever, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. We'll get I don't know what I'm doing in the NFC South. But um <laughs> yeah, the you um you mentioned kind of how many he had all those unblocked sacks. I mean, with the Saints, a lot of 
his production came rushing from way outside, right? And so I'll be curious to see in this defense how he's utilized um, and whether or not he can match Carl Lawson's production. Uh, you know, the, 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 the Bengals, part of the reason the case I have for them being better on defense is not just the fact that I like I look at every level I see NFL players, but also they were just so unlucky last year with injuries. They were. They were. Um, yeah, I don't even know where Geno Atkins is. Is he still out there? He's a free agent, right? I don't know. Yeah, I think he's still out there because I keep on getting pestered about well, well, less now that the Vikings signed Richardson, but I kept on That's getting right. pestered. Yeah. Well, anyways, I think that the, the defense will better be better. Um, I think the offense will be better too, but I, God, bang. You think? <laughs> yeah. Right. Obviously, but. I just, the case for the offensive line, which is where this all starts, the case for them being better is that they can't be worse. It's, I mean, I, it, it, the, the case. That's not like a terrible case. No, I mean, we'll get to Pittsburgh, right? But the it's, okay, Jonah Williams, decent player, first round draft pick, obviously battled a lot of injuries, left tackle. They liked him enough not to draft Sewell and they want to chase, fine. Riley Reef also Decent right tackle, fine. The inside, though, is a still a major concern for me. I mean, kind of a disaster Jackson, on the inside. I, Carmen, I think that the tackles I mean, are kind of underrated, but yeah, the inside is. Oof. Yeah, so Jackson Carmen out of Clemson, they're counting on him to move to guard. I guess Quentin Spain might start at the other spot. This competition between. Him and like Jordan and Suafilo and then Trey Hopkins. On, hey, Quentin uh, Spain should win that competition, hopefully. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so, Trey Hopkins. You know, that's I. Jeez. It's a problem. <laughs> and so, like you know, with Burrow last year, um, you know, I, I really liked him. And watching that offense, like they they did everything possible to account for how bad the line was and. I, I see. It's funny when I criticize the offensive line, you, you you saw people like blaming Burrow and the wide receivers. I just don't see that at all. I mean, they, they, the game it was all like him getting the ball out super quickly, out of empty, um, rushing, longer developing plays. You know, and I, I can see the case. Okay, well, Jamar Chase is going to help him with the deep ball because he's going to separate or beat his man off the line. But again, this all depends on the offensive line being competent and it's still a question mark for me yeah and i think well first i think the offensive line being competent really inhibits our ability to discuss like what is the bengal scheme right and then the second part is that like it looked a lot different when brandon allen was which it should but it looked a lot different with brandon allen there than than joe burrow right like they like brandon allen was one of the league leaders in play action rate obviously they were like protecting him and, and it was a fairly low rate with Joe Burrow. And, you know, maybe they should probably use it a lot more next year with Burrow. Um, or I guess this year, I should say. I'm still adjusting my brain yeah. for that. Um, they didn't run like they, they were like a very heavy three wide receiver team. And they didn't do a lot of three by one. But you'd expect them with Jamar Chase to just leave him on an island and and play with three by one sets a lot more. Something that Burrow is, is familiar with and comfortable with. Right. So I don't know. Like, I feel like we just don't know kind of what this offense is um and and part of that is just like yeah man michael jordan and trey hill were up front like what can the offense be like realistically so yeah um yeah i i don't know but i don't want to like relitigate the draft debate it's already happened um but uh i 
it like because it would have been it's easy to say now that we know that it was Jamar Chase and Jackson Carmen versus like Penny Sewell and Rondale Moore. Like it feels like, oh, well, you probably take Sewell and Moore then. But I mean, they aren't bad at tackle. It's really that interior thing. And so um, how they handle that, whether it's a moving pocket, I mean, Burrow, you know, moves reasonably well, but you don't want to rely on that to avoid pressure. Um, like you said, he got rid of the ball reasonably quickly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame Burrow. I'm kind of surprised that that was like a thing. Um, because on standard dropbacks, he was faster than average to get rid of the ball. And he should be even faster still with, with players like Jamar Chase who can win off the release really quickly. I mean, I mean, that's like a fun receiver room, right? Because Tyler Boyd is a legit wide receiver too. And he's a third receiver. That's a nice luxury. You've got Auden Tate probably as your wide receiver four, and, and like, even though T Higgins got kind of hidden right by that incredible wide receiver class, um, I think people generally recognize how good he can be and how good he is. So it's fun. It'll be fun to watch Higgins and Chase and Boyd, and then maybe Auden Tate. I don't know. Um, that that's a fun receiver room, and and that's the one where you have to where if if you're inclined to kind of trust, you know, the way that that the analytics conversation has gone, you, you kind of have to be like, okay, this feels bad. But it is better to have a good wide receiver group than a good interior offensive line group, theoretically. But you you look at it and you're like, I'm envisioning what an, a standard drop back will look like, and I'm envisioning Burrow running away. Yeah, right? like it's it's. Do I trust my like my my football brain or my numbers brain? I don't know. Well, I don't. <laughs> that one's tough. But I don't see that. I mean, I I I no. I mean, like I I hear what you're saying. You know, I I I I have also kind of read the things that say you should draft the good wide receiver right and figure out the line but when you think about zach taylor and sort of he comes from the he was under mcveigh and you know comes from that school and there are some similar principles you you mentioned that this is a very 11 personnel centric offense um it's different burrow's usually in the gun uh, so it, it doesn't look like the rams offense obviously and but right. yeah uh, uh, it, it's so hard to do anything when your offensive line can't hold up. Um, and you see the real limitation. Like we, we think about the other teams that are from that sort of tree, you know, uh, we talked about, you just talked about Cleveland, uh, Los Angeles, Green Bay, even Minnesota, for example. Um, <laughs> none, this is, this offensive line is so, uh, it, it was um, so like it just stunted anything they wanted to do. I don't know. I, I mean, it didn't, when you watch it, like you don't really see guys getting schemed open for Burrow. A lot of his good plays are just him extending and creating. Um, you know, he's very accurate. I, so to, yeah, to me, like, wh- like it, it would have been easy to be like T Higgins as a contested catch receiver. Um, but honestly, the ball placement from Burrow uh, to T Higgins was like so great that a lot of these, yeah. contested looking catches were not really contested so i don't know i def- i feel like that's going to translate with with this entire Definitely. receiver group. well chase, I don't know. throwing chase into the mix you already have like you said a good receiver group higgins was by the way better last year than i thought he would be coming out of college i'll just say that first so you already have a really good receiver group and throwing chase in um you know i talked about how they didn't really scheme guys open necessarily but it's going to stress defenses in a way that they weren't stressed last year with aj green when he did you know he was so banged up so i i think like i said to sum up the Bengals, i think both the offense and the defense will be better the question to me is like a matter of how much better 
And I think, and and I, yeah. And I think it comes down to both lines kind of like, can this offensive line, uh, especially particularly the interior of the offensive line progress and play at an average level. And by that same token, on the other side, can this defensive line, uh, can the, can Hendrickson and Hubbard and Osai, can one or any of them step up as a, a, you know, a true number one pass rusher. And I think if, the lines, if both of those things shake right, this team can end up with a winning record. But to me, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I don't know about a winning record, but it can certainly make some pretty intense progress, I would say. If, <laughs> 500 if is out of the picture buttons. now, so it's, uh, yeah, it's all about nine and eight. Nine and eight. I think nine and eight is eight, totally eight, on one. the table. For <laughs> All right. After the break, let's talk about a team that it would be very disappointed if they go 9-8, and eight, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So, Arif, the Ravens, I feel like, like I said at the beginning, I've had trouble going back and forth between them and the Browns. Let's just start here because we're going to talk about the Ravens. What, who do you think is the better football team? Oh, man. Uh, That's like you previewed this and I should have been prepared for this, right? Um, Certainly, I like watching the Ravens more. Um, uh, my, my numbers brain says it should probably be the Browns because of how unstable defense is. And that would be to me, like the, the thing that, that propels the Ravens forward. Um, there's also like a couple of questions I have about the defense, but like, Mm. I don't know. I, it just feels like there's a couple of defenses that really haven't been unstable. And, and unfortunately the Vikings are one of them. And then last year, you know, we saw what happened, but like, I, I don't know. I feel like the defense is probably going to be pretty good. So if that's the case, um, the offense is probably going to be good enough that that I would I would say the Ravens are are probably better. But like if a Browns fan clips this and throws this in my face, <laughs> I'd be pretty fine with that. Like well, it's, okay. it's really close. Fair. It is. I think it's extremely close. And I probably need to spend more time with the schedules before answering that question myself and, and thinking <laughs> about it a little bit. Um, but the Ravens. Really focused on the offense uh, in the offseason, particular adding wide receivers. Uh, you know, after everyone groused and groused and groused, they said, fine, and drafted Rashad Bateman, who we love. Yeah, they look good. We have a voice now. All Ravens. <laughs> Sammy Watkins, who apparently looks great in camp. Uh, drafted also Tylen Wallace. Let, let's talk about the Ravens passing attack. So, first of all, um, so because the Ravens, uh, run defense finished unsurprisingly like third in DVOA last year, 17th in passing big step back from 2019 Lamar's MVP season. Um, mm-hmm. 
everyone, like we've all spent a lot of time trying to diagnose exactly what's wrong with the passing attack. And I think um, wide receiver is the easiest answer. Like Hollywood Brown is not a number one wide receiver. He's not going to win consistently on the outside. And the way the, because the Ravens rushing attack is so terrifying and difficult to stop um the outside should be open you know like if you have when you watch this offense if you have a number one you should have terrific looks on the outside so i think that is the easiest place to start second place would be lamar jackson and some of his i would say inconsistencies as a passer i think it's it's both like overblown but it's also real and then third and I'm, I'm not putting these in order, by the way, would be Greg Roman. Uh, can he like, w- is his, is the passing impact? Does it like fall on his sh- shoulders? I don't know why I'm having trouble like articulating Greg Roman. No make guys open is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so uh, in order, how would you rank those three issues when it comes to the Ravens passing attack being lackluster? I guess I could mention the offensive um, line, but I don't think they were that bad last year. So. Uh, I'm I've got some concerns there too, but um, I I would say uh, my number one concern is the talent that they had at receiver from last year, and I think you know as a Sammy Watkins truther and and like obviously from Minnesota Rashad Bateman stan, I have to love their approach at wide receiver and you know draft Twitter favorite Tylen Wallace who would PFF call him like the best route runner in the class I don't know, um, I mean that's that'll be interesting to see if like if there's something there to break through. Um, but so the personnel question was number one for me. Number two, I think was actually, was actually Lamar Jackson because post cramp, we're going to call it cramps, right? Um, post cramp Lamar Jackson, really good. Like looked a lot (laughs) like the 2019 passer pre cramp Lamar Jackson, um, took a step back as a passer. Mm. Um, so if he can kind of maintain that, like Paul Pierce energy of coming in, and lighting it up. I, I think I think we've got like a pretty good passing attack. So I'm going to create a new concern and say that that one's second, but I'm not that concerned about the new concern. Uh, and then Greg Roman, no make guys open is certainly a big one, but I would say it's third. Um, so yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and that one is not like resolved, right? The first two concerns to me have been effectively, you know, maybe not resolved, but like you, you did what you can there. And I'm optimistic about both of them. The third one, I don't know. And then the, and then like the fourth one about the offensive line, like not having Orlando Brown. Um, I think Bozeman is going to be their center, right? Yeah. I don't think it's going to be Macari. Um, and Zeitler is, isn't really what he was. Villanueva is at the downside of his career. I really like that they grabbed him. Like that's a great deal. But like, I, they're probably going to take a step back. Maybe Ben Cleveland. I know the history of like third round guards as rookies is actually really poor. I had to look this up to answer a question for Vikings answer Wyatt Davis. And rookie third round guards are, are not remarkable, right? So, which is not surprising, right? Um, so I don't know. Um, it's well, we didn't even talk about Mark Andrews, who I think you called Noah Fant the best candidate to be tight end for. Um, I like said he was, I, he's, so? he, Noah Fant is not tight end four, but. Right, like, he's got a good candidate to be a tight like, end four. Or, I think or the, best the way candidate I put might it is Mark like, Andrews. if there was a guy who I felt like could ascend into that elite tier, that's who I see Noah Fant because of his upside. 
Mark Andrews is the yeah, better. I, is the I, better I think Andrews is going to box him out. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. getting Nick Boyle back will be huge I, to that, so end, by the way. I mean, oh, yeah. And losing That's Nick huge. Boyle, who obviously the Browns use so much um, 12 and 13. And tw- I mean, they, they, they have their tight ends on the field so much when, they, when they're when they healthy yeah. that um, it's really important to. And have regardless of offensive coordinator. Right? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, right. They've always put 22. Field, yeah. I think they, them sure they rank first in 22, which is two backs, two tight ends. Um, so I I, th- I agree with you. The offensive line, I don't know why I'm like, opt- I, I think Kevin Zeitler is still solid. And I think um, Bradley Bozeman, as long as he can actually put the football in Lamar's hands and not 30 feet behind him, should be an upgrade at center. Um, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. I think, you know, just Stanley's, when he's healthy, is um, amazing. So to yeah, me, no concerns about Stanley. No concerns about Stanley. You know, Cleveland, you're right, coming in as a rookie. Uh, I don't care how big you are and how much squirrel you eat. It's challenging. Although playing next to Stanley will help. But I think it, it really comes down to the wide receivers. Like I, all these things are super valid. When, when you watch Lamar and like when he is inconsistent with his accuracy, um, some of it is when it is a mechanics thing and a footwork thing or him like when he does that weird sidearm thing. But some of it I feel strongly watching, especially watching him when he throws a deep is like a fundamental lack of trust too in his receivers. Like, especially on the outsides, like a lot of, you know, just not wanting to attempt tight window throws, not just on the outsides. But um, I think once he sort of develops a level of trust in Watkins and Bateman, that's really potentially going to open up this offense. So the, the, the Ravens did lose their pass game coordinator, who many of us learned was the pass game coordinator, David Culley, now the head coach of the Texans, yeah, brought in Keith Williams yeah. and uh, T. Martin, who are both wide receiver guys. I don't know... And I think that's interesting to our point about like trying to kind of order some of the concerns because um, I, this is still going to be Greg Roman's offense, I believe. But like, th- I think there's so much of the success this offense, the passing attack, and whether or not they can kind of revert to 2019 form is contingent on whether their wide receivers can be better, frankly. And so to bring in these guys, I think Williams or one of them worked with Watkins in the past. I know they worked with um, Devontae Adams, Keith Williams did, and Tyreek Hill. It's enormous. I think really important um you know just like again like you know we talked about guys not winning outside the other thing like that really Lamar struggled with last year was um really bad when he was blitzed yeah and and again some of that is Lamar Jackson and some of it is sort of his own like not having a plan but a lot of it is do we have wide receivers who can get open quickly and do I trust that they're gonna, <laughs> that I can get you know get the bump right. of them in. and so I, I think I, I have a lot of optimism um, and then to your point about the defense you know like you said you mentioned that, like this is just a defense that's been good for a long time I think part of the reason why we have faith that they're going to be continue to be good even though they lost so much of their pass rush and we'll, we can talk about sort of the question marks up front is that the secondary is still really really good i mean we know what don martindale wants to do he wants to blitz a lot and play a lot of man coverage and he has the guys to do it in the back and we trust him to figure it out up front even though there's question marks yeah um yeah i mean like so like losing judon that's gonna hurt i think it's easy to overstate how much that's gonna hurt i mean it's not the same as like hendrickson where it was like constantly getting unblocked but i mean his pass rush win rate was like his rank in that was substantially lower than his pressure rate. And so to some extent you can say, well, maybe you can just manufacture that for someone else. And you think, Hey, they just drafted a guy. It feels like the guy you drafted might be able to fill that role. 
And he is just like an interesting question mark, right? Odafe. Um, because like, I mean, he didn't get any sacks, like famously, right? Um, and his pressure rate was low, but he actually had a much higher pass rush win rate than his pressure rate hmm. in college. Um, and so, you know, in, in, to some extent, he was kind of helping Shaka Tony out. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like maybe you can scheme um, away open because or open to get open looks as as a pass rusher, um, especially with how often they blitz. Given his like sheer athleticism, I mean, he's there's a lot he has to work on. Um, but yeah, I, like the pass rush is probably going to take a step back. Um, I, I don't know. The Ravens are like this franchise where if a player with like a lot of potential, but like a lot of scouting red flags, not like discipline red flags, but like scouting red flags if they go to the ravens you just kind of trust that that player's you know going to be good and that the ravens will figure it out like it just worked for orlando brown who is like still running his 40 right but he's <laughs> but he was this really fantastic tackle right um but it's not like we're singing like tyus bowser's praises right like this doesn't always work out for them that's true um and I think I think Patrick and, Queen will be better uh, this year. By the way, I I kind of threw some shade at him earlier. I mean, he's struggling. He kind of has to be. Yeah, he has to be. Yes. Um, I'm not. I'm, I mean, like I said, I'm not. But I mean, I, mean by I, I like Patrick Queen going downhill. He's he's still fantastic. Um, it, it is the coverage thing, and he's probably going to get better. I mean, he's a super smart linebacker, and he's got the athleticism. I I just think you ask a lot of the coverage players in this scheme. Um, right. which is, I don't think is an excuse for Patrick Queen. I think he just looked bad in coverage, but you ask a lot of the coverage players in this game. So um, I, I think that with another year, uh, th- that's probably going to help. I don't really think he's going to live up to his pre-draft hype necessarily. I mean, he, he's only had one year, so I shouldn't not uh, like write him off or anything like that. But the path he's on is not like phenomenal or anything like that. But I think there's a lot of reasons to not like throw, throw his coverage capability away or anything like that. I, I, I kind of expect him to get better. CX sort was so angry when Seattle drafted Jordan Brooks over Patrick queen in the end, both struggled at times. Okay. Um, yeah, the defensive line, you know, these are, they're <laughs> solid. It's Campbell, Wolf, Williams. I guess the concern would just be aging. Although, um, they have a, uh, what's his name? The defensive tackle who's kind of good. Justin Matubike, saying his name right? So there's some interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think the Vikings might have been interested in him um, had he not gone he when was, he, he did. He kind of so. good at the end of the season. Um, I just, like I said, I think the, the floor for the defense is still high because the secondary is so good and I don't. And the secondary, the like... Secondary. This is a secondary too that like and they and they added some players too. They added Brandon Stevens and Sean Wade. Like yeah, I don't know. I like, <laughs> like we'll see about Sean Wade. Um, no, but like the depth is good. It's a fifth round pick. We're not talking yeah, about right. him as if he's a first round pick. Right? I mean, like so. you know, behind so you got Peters and Humphrey, and then Jimmy Smith, Tavon Young, like Anthony Averett. Deshaun Elliott was really good in uh, after Earl Chuck Thomas Clark got kicked off the team. Really yeah, Chuck Clark's good. This is a good secondary. It's one of the better secondaries in the NFL. So even if the pass rush, yeah, takes it's, a, second it's a great to, secondary. Even if the pass rush takes a second to figure it out, this is still a very good defense and a really well coached defense. Yeah, um, and 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 what did the nerds say? You you have to build the defense like coverage first. I front, mean, this is baby. This is that right? Like they this are. is this is that's and it's not like the front is bad or anything like that, but. You know, not, that front is going to be able to take care of the run, they're right? Not, and and that secondary is going to be able. 
Yeah. They're not and bad, so but I think I, I, do I like think it's it's definitely worthy. Like if you're looking at the Ravens and you're saying, what is the question about this team? I do think it's fair to say, you know, we're counting on a rookie pass rusher and like Pernell McPhee. You know what I mean? Like that that is oh, yeah, 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 a totally sure. valid concern. Hey, um, maybe Jalen Ferguson turns it around. Yeah, maybe. I hope so. <laughs> um, okay, I let's start with Juju Smith. I almost said his nickname, which uh a guy tweeted at me, people might, who I, I think, I, I don't think I said it on the podcast because it was too uh, offensive, but um, Juju Smith-Schuster uh, is a Steelers wide receiver. Is it, and do you a nickname? I think, I did not come up with a nickname. I think that he is totally solid. <laughs> and in fact, I think the wide receiver group is the strength of the Steelers offense, despite the fact that they probably led the league in drops. I don't know. Felt like it. Um, what is Did, it felt like Deontay Johnson alone might have yeah, led single handedly wide receiver course across the league and drops? Yeah. No, and it sucks because he's good, it's so frustrating. But what is he's a weird player, man? The best possible case for the Steelers' offense to turn it around from what we saw at the end of last year. And as a refresher, what we saw at the end of last year was a very bad this is what really jumped out to me watching. I was like, damn, that offensive line was bad. And and the Steelers fans would say, well, yeah, so we can't be worse because, you know, oh, I should have mentioned the Bengals, you know, different coach, Steelers, different coach, just some very similar kind of stuff going on there. Um, what we saw was offensive line that struggled, a run game that blessed their hearts. It was not their fault, never got going. Uh, and then a quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger who, you know, struggled throwing it over 15 yards. So defenses basically uh, took a while to realize that and then just started crowding the line of scrimmage. And, um, you know, he was getting the ball super quick. Is there any world in which that turns around? Like, what what would it take in your mind? Um, gosh, uh, <laughs> I think of Putting in a tough spot. It, it takes kind of a lot, right? Like, I think um, you, you take a look at that offensive line. And if, if all you did was a listen to the weird stuff that came out about maybe the coaches don't like Kevin Dotson and if he doesn't play him. Um, concerned about what that offensive line looks like but you know if he does play then you've got him and and try turner and and maybe you're like hey man turner played with this groin injury last year um it's not representative of who he was just take a look at his 2019 it was great um uh, which i don't know if it was great but it was pretty good um and so if that's who you get if you get 2019 zach banner instead of 2020 um if a core of four can switch to the left side and and play reasonably well like he did in his best games last year like he was kind of up and down for me um and if uh if kendrick green wins the center job and he plays like he did uh to get drafted in the third round like i thought actually he was one of the most fun offensive linemen to watch in that draft i mean his ability to just kind of move was great um if we're talking best case scenario there is something in all of these players is playing history and not too long ago where where you can say, well, those are upgrades, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, Okorafor's best games last year were probably better than Villanueva's best games last year. And if he's consistent, well, there's your upgrade, right? If you get Kevin Dotson, who was actually a legitimately good pass protector, if you get that over, over 17 games, that's pretty good. If you get Kendrick Green and, and you get the promise that he, I mean, again, third round interior offensive linemen are not really great as rookies, but if he is, you can see it, right? Maybe he can do like what Elton Jenkins or Eric McCoy did, right? Mm. Um, if you get the recent history of Ty Turner, if you get, you know, kind of the upside of Zach Banner, that's a much better offensive line. 
but yeah, I said the word if a lot, didn't I? A lot of things have to go right. Trey Turner used to be good, man. Like he was, you know, like that's the one. I mean, I, I know everyone really likes Dotson. That one jumps out to me as like totally plausible that he returns to form a little bit. I just think like you can you can have a reasonably efficient NFL offense without a quarterback who throws deep. I just watched three years of New Orleans football. It is plausible, folks. Um, but you also have... Yeah, I mean, that offensive line yes, is in and, another and, league. What I was about to say is you have to, be, you have to have much better offensive line play than what we saw from the Steelers because you have to be able to run the ball. Um, and, you know, they did draft Najee Harris. And it, it's... The other thing that I guess... Man, I can't, I can't imagine a worse like situation for Najee Harris to be dropped into. I mean, the, the other thing, though, Arif, that kind of like... I mean, I can. ...confuses me is... The other... Yeah, so aside from... I, I think you're 100% right. A lot, all this stems from can the offensive line match their upside. But also... I And hey, they, they drafted Pat Fryermuth too. Run blocker, right? Good blocker. And I, But the other thing is, like, I don't... Is the offense going to change at all? Because... Matt Canada is who was the quarterback's coach, now the offensive coordinator, and everything he did in college is everything that Ben Roethlisberger doesn't like to do. So, yeah, he doesn't like pre-snap motion, snap motion uh, under is, center. I mean, yeah, he doesn't like, under, like Maryland was like one of the one of the heaviest under center teams that year, right? And and Roethlisberger is like famously a shock. He's been a shocking guy since he showed up, right? He just uh, wants, yes, he wants he wants he wants to be in the gun, get the ball, get it out. So the question is like, is there anything schematically that you think they can do to alleviate some of the concerns with the line in Ben's arm? Uh, I mean, the stuff that Canada is known for is probably that stuff. I mean, uh, the the problem is like Roethlisberger's preferences can like define a lot of the offense. Like if you take a look at what the offense, like what Todd Haley's offenses look like outside of Roethlisberger, first of all, that tells you that Roethlisberger was pretty good. Uh, but second, it looks different, right? Um, you know, he doesn't like play action all that much reportedly, like very like he's been one of the the least used play action quarterbacks in the NFL over years. And then last year, like was nuts. It was like 9% of his dropbacks were play action. And the second lowest was 17%. Like I've never, like the gap between that and, and between second and, uh, and like the 18th or 19th was the same. Like it's nuts how little he uses play action. Um, and, uh, and, and he loves to get rid of the ball quickly, which shotgun really enables, which is mm -hmm. probably the reason he doesn't like play action. He mentioned that he wasn't really comfortable at some point with pre-snap motion and, and what's interesting is if you only looked at like the first six games last year of the Steelers offense back when we liked it, um, there was a lot more pre-snap motion. And then you take a look at the last six games of the year and there was a lot less. I'm not saying it's like a one-to-one -one thing or anything like that, but um, they were in those last six weeks, they were among the least likely to use pre-snap motion. And that's motion occurring as the snap is happening. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the only times they would really use it was like during the scripted portion of the offense. And then after that, they just kind of stopped using it. And, and I just feel like you have a quarterback like Roethlisberger, you cater to his preferences because of his history. And what he likes to do, I think, is no longer really effective for for what you need to do for that offense to be able to kind of hide that offensive line. Yeah. And I'm not saying you want him to be like running out of the pocket or anything like that. But you can protect a guy even if he's not that mobile with play action. You can even do a lot of interesting play action stuff out of shotgun, which the Steelers just don't like do, right? Uh, so 
Yeah, I don't know. There is a lot of difference between what Canada did and what Roethlisberger typically likes to do. Um, but I think the deception stuff that Canada is really well known for, whether or not it has motion in it, um, that's just going to help. Uh, and so hopefully they find a way to allow Roethlisberger to be comfortable with a quick strike style offense that still allows for like play action. Um, and, and it's not like Najee Harris, like, like you think of an Alabama running back and you think, yeah, he's not going to catch the ball a lot, which I guess Harris didn't do, but you know, there's been a huge discussion about how good of a receiver he actually is. Right. Uh, it's been kind of a, a funny kind of off season thing to follow. I mean, I love his personality. Um, but you kind of think, oh, Alabama back, you know, you want him under center. But like, I mean, Sarkeesian has like air raid bones in him, right? Uh, I I could totally see Harris being comfortable taking the snap out, out of shotgun. Um, and I could totally see them building a play action game out of that, uh, even though that's not what Canada did at Maryland yeah. or at LSU. The, um, I actually really like so Harris is a decent that's probably the scenario. pass catcher. I, I, thought, I mean, obviously, that's a part of his game he really worked on, right? As seasons went by in Alabama. But by the end... I thought, um, you know, he ran some pretty nice little routes <laughs> and has good hands. Um, right. He's got good hands, that's for sure. Your point about the play action, though, it's so, it, it really goes to what we were talking about with the line and Bree. Like, I was just, so Ben Rosberg used the least amount of play action of any starting quarterback in the NFL last year. The next by lowest, a large, by a large yeah. margin, the next lowest percentage was Drew Brees. Tom Brady, also there. Uh, like just two above the difference between Ben Roethlisberger and those two court. Well, they're the Tom, Tom Brady can also throw it deep or whatever. And you know, his arm strength is a lot better, but offensive line, like those two quarterbacks have very good offensive lines and Roethlisberger didn't. And that's, I think why, like with the Sears offense, you're sort of, it's like this perfect storm of problems because the things like you, you were just describing the things you'd have to do to compensate for some of the issues with protection on Ben's arm are not things he does. And and so I just, it's a tricky situation. And and to me, the whole case, optimistic yeah. case, like we've been saying, I mean, we just could have basically TLDR'd it. it. It's that the if the offensive line is better, that's really what it comes down to in my mind. Um, on the other side of the football, I still think the front seven's good. <laughs> so, Sears uh, fans, let's, a little bit of optimism for you. Uh, even without yeah. Lundy Brady. Well, okay, so um, this is, this is uh, well, where that hot take is. Oh, you have a hot take. Okay. It's not that big of a hot take. I just think that Mike Hilton is a bigger loss than Bud Dupree by a decent margin. That's that's the concern for me. I think it's a great front seven. I think Bud Dupree was kind of a product of how good the rest of that front seven was and how often they would use players like Mike Hilton to blitz. And I don't know that they've got a replacement for Hilton because like I don't know, is it James Pierre? Is it Art Millette? I don't know. But Alex Highsmith looked really good. Which is about to say, so, yeah. I'm not that concerned about losing Bud Dupree. Yeah, the Highsmith looked good. Bush comes back. Um, you know, I, I, I yeah, uh, Williams. They kept yeah, they Williams. Had tons of injuries at linebacker last year. They had year. so Fun. many injuries. God, after that hot start, all of a sudden they just started losing guys. Um, they kept Tyson Aluwalu, who like it looked like was going to leave, but then didn't leave. Yeah, Cam Hayward is amazing. Stephon Tuitt is amazing. Like these are good players, but Arif, they're going to have to be good because. This secondary <laughs> has questions. So I, you mentioned Mike Hilton, but like I, um, who's the second outside corner on this roster? <laughs> who's, who's playing opposite uh, Joe Hayden? 
uh, I don't know, Cameron Sutton, Justin Lane. James uh, I mean, James Pierre. Yeah. I don't know. Um, uh, that's, that's a, that's a good, that's a good looking question. Um, uh, I don't, I don't really know. Um, I don't know. Maybe this is the year Steven Denmark lives up to his athletic potential. Steven Nelson, he's okay, still a free agent, not. right? Nelson's still out there. Steven Nelson, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and hey, they also grabbed Antoine Brooks, who I know is a safety, but you can play him in a lot of places. There's, um, there's a few I don't know. Uh, <laughs> out there. But yeah, I just think that... I think Cam Sutton, I don't know if he'll play inside or outside. I don't know. I don't know. My point is, the front seven is still really good. The secondary is has, I would say... You know, outside of Hayden, two spots, uh, uh, two cornerbacks uh, positions. I just don't know how things are going to shake out. You know, they still have Minka and um, Terrell Edmonds is fine. Um, you know, probably not living up to his draft status, but still a decent player. The fifth, fifth he's gotten like better, right? Yeah, and so definitely. that's that's nice to see. I guess yeah. um, no, I mean he's gotten a lot better. Uh, Minka is Minka, so that's nice. Yes. Um, you know, I don't like, you know, Joe Hayden. I mean, he looked he looked a lot better when he first showed up for the Steelers than he did with the Browns. But, I mean, there's like a there's a lifespan on that, and I think we're beginning to see it. And then the rest of the secondaries, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's definitely like a very – it's like kind of the opposite of the Ravens where they, they both blitz a ton, but the Ravens are definitely built, you know, back to front. The Steelers are built front to back. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't think Pittsburgh will change their approach – at all i mean well so the the, they the steelers play more cover three than baltimore um Mm -hmm. you know which again but i think baltimore plays the most man in the nfl by a pretty healthy mark i think they do yeah so it'll be interesting to see with some of the question marks in the secondary if that approach changes at all like i said i still think this front is really good um i still think the defense is gonna be good even even with two is there like a better healthy front seven that's a good question um I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, it also kind of depends on like Washington. how aging hits like Cameron Hayward and Alu Alu. Oh, Washington's good. Uh, last year's Washington might have had a better argument, though. Yeah, it's true. With the, like, because losing the edge depth yeah. is gone. Um, it, it, yeah. I think it'll depend on how good Jamin Davis is uh, yeah. out the gate. But yeah, I'd go Washington. Um, I, I think that Denver is pretty good. Those linebackers are like stinky, decent. Um <laughs> But yeah, they're in there. I mean, they're still going to be good. Yeah. It's just, I just kind of think it's hard for me to envision a world where the Steelers as a whole look that different from how they did in the second half of. Yeah, this is just like not a team that that is all that concerned about explosiveness, like on offense or defense, right? Because I don't think they've got the secondary outside of like Fitzpatrick to deal with explosive offenses. Hmm. And they don't have an offense that's going to be all that explosive. Like even Najee Harris, like when PFF just released a, um, a study about, you know, what tra- what traits translate best for running backs from college to the NFL. And the biggest trait that both translates in terms of like one to one, you can follow this trait into the NFL and also impacts like how effective a running game is for a running back is explosiveness and how many like 10 or 20 plus yard runs that you can generate as a running back. And Harris is good at a lot of things, but that is like not in his resume in the same way. He's very, and so they don't, 
Yeah, they don't have an explosive running game for a couple of reasons. They don't really have an explosive passing game, right? Like if 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 Roethlisberger was going to throw deep again, like the Roethlisberger of yore, you've got the you've got the horses to do it at receiver, um, but they don't really have you know an explosive passing game. And then on defense, I it just feels like they're very kind of they'll stop the run, so you don't have to worry about that that too much. But um, they're either going to get pressure in a sack and maybe a turnover, or they're, they're going to give up a big play. And and yeah, I this this feels like a very frustrating team to watch because you can you can see them winning like a, a 15-7 game uh, one week and then next week losing like thirty to three. Two bits of optimism. I we we like basically just skipped over the wide receiver group. I, and I said at the beginning, I think this is the best group on the team. I like these wide receivers a lot and I like them together. You know, Claypool, um, you mentioned Johnson. Yeah, well, if you're, I like if Juju. Smith Schuster, Truther, and you you think that Deontay Johnson is is who he is at his best instead of who he is at his worst. It's hard not to like them, but I don't know. I got I mean, I actually I kind of like Smith Schuster too. And Chase Claypool obviously is good. And yeah. if your fourth receiver is James Washington, which probably is, that's not a bad place to be. But and I don't know, like the other bit of optimism. I mean, you you mentioned this PFF. I haven't read the study about explosiveness in running backs. I still think Harris is I think he was the best back in the draft and I think he was a better pick for this team than um some of the other options because you know from watching that Alabama like he you're right he's not he obviously doesn't have like that top end speed that some of the guys do like a ETN for example but he was I, I that he brought a lot of consistency on the down to down basis and as good as an Alabama offensive line was um <laughs> I think I I think he's more likely than many of those other backs and some of the other ones who have been drafted high in recent years to erase potential issues with the offensive line in Pittsburgh. So you I, say this like they had to draft a back. No, I know. Well, what's done is like done. They, what's done they, is done. I, I don't know that Najee Harris is going to have that big of an impact on the offense. And that's not because of who Harris is. I also agree that he was the best back in the draft. But yeah. No, backs I mean, I don't control their production all that much. Right, I, w- I would have taken. I mean, you. I've said a million times I would have gone offensive line, but they did. And I like Harris. Um, so let's wrap here. What's your predicted order? One, two, three, four. Uh, I took the Ravens over the Browns, right? So I'm gonna have to stick with that. So I'm gonna go Ravens, Browns. Kind of big gap. Steelers, huge gap. Wow. I'm, I don't see the Bengals okay. necessarily as a 500 team, I guess, or yeah. eight, eight, and one. I guess is 500. I'm like, right? whenever we do these, whenever we ask the beat reporters for their, are you are you optimistic on like every team in every division? I was that... I was just about to say when when we do these predictions, all the beat reporters do very few do losing records, so it always adds up like way out of whack with the math. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of doing that. But I don't know. I just. Do it for every team. <laughs> I, well, I'm, I, I like every team. I just want to like, you know. I, you just want to see the good in it. Well, what, right now, what I like think, thinking through also is kind of like, what is the good, what is the case where this works out? Now, that said. Um, you know, these I, teams like play each other, right? Yeah, like <laughs> I know. I, I don't think. I, I see only two playoff teams in this division, so I'm not like that optimistic. Um I I'll go Browns, Ravens, Steelers, Bengals myself. I don't think it's as huge of a gap though, like as you're kind of you suggested there. I I but I do. It's really hard for Browns over Ravens. Ah, the Browns are just so complete. But you know, for all the reasons we said, there's there's a lot of ifs uh, in that defense. 
And so, yeah, we'll see. I, I'm very excited it, to watch. Do you think that there's not that, that big a gap between like the Steelers and you've got second, the Ravens? I think that in terms of record, like it won't be that crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. In terms of record. Well, I just said, though, that I do think only two playoff teams. So we'll see how it all I know. It's just like, it's like you're optimistic on the Bengals, contextual to where the Bengals were. But you also would unquestionably put the Steelers ahead of the Bengals, right? So there's no question there's a gap there. Yeah. And there's probably a reasonable gap between the Steelers and the Ravens. So how good can the Bengals perform? Well, you heard me. I I said nine and eight. I was being optimistic, but I don't know. Nine and eight Bengals. Probably two ten and seven Steelers. That's nuts to me. Yeah, well, it's my <laughs> podcast. Fuck, deal with it. All right, well, we're gonna wrap as podcast. always with five questions for our guest. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Question uh, one. So we didn't talk about the Vikings. You do cover the Vikings. Um, what is your Vikings record prediction? Oh, Jesus. Um, I think I picked the. Uh, 10 and 7 because 9 and 8 felt too pessimistic. 10 and 7. God, 10 and 7 sounds yeah. so much better than 9 and 8. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> like when I when I made that conscious decision, I was like, wait, that seems way huge. But it's like it's one game, right? But 10 and 7 could be good enough to win that division, you know, right. depending. Yeah. You're going to do that roster. We're gonna, do that yeah, we're, I'm, I'm kicking that can down the road. But yeah. Yeah, we, we I had Greg Rosenthal on two weeks ago, and we we were both like optimistic about the Vikings defense. So, yeah, I can see the case for ten. It's hard not to. They were like what twenty ninth, or I don't know what they were, but it was not great. Yeah, and offense is still good. <laughs> I know everyone hates them, but they're good. Uh, right. Well, hey, was it one of the one of Kirk Cousins' biggest critics, Eric Eager, like just said Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback, and his rankings have like Kirk Cousins eight. Did you? Uh, that's funny. Do you? Did you? You didn't respond to my Baker Cousins equivalency. Do you think that's fair? I think it's fair. I was going to respond to it, and then you asked me to respond to like three other things. So. I was tearing them at the same tier. Sort of. They're in their. They're in like the, I'm, the. I'm not a good guest. I couldn't. I couldn't take all these questions at once. They're in the like. If I'm tearing Shanahan quarterbacks, I put them in a different group from like the Jimmy Jareds. That's kind of what I was trying to say. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah, they're better, yeah, but they're not. Fair. You know, they're not. Neither of them are going to like Aaron Rodgers it up in that scheme the way you know like. Yeah, well, so, like, if, if I have a bad roster, I don't want either of those guys on my team. I want a high-variance guy. I want, like, a Lamar Jackson, mm. or I guess, like, it's not, like, a hot take to say I'd, I'd like Aaron Rodgers or whatever, right? But, like, I, I want a guy that's going to create. Like, I might take it, if I've got a bad roster, but I, if I'm i going to get fired if I don't win some games, I might take a chance on Cam Newton, right? Um, but if I've got a good roster... I'm, I would probably just rather have the consistent guy that could be Baker or that could be Kirk Cousins because if you've got like a really good supporting cast, you know, both of those guys have the potential to kind of Matt Ryan their way into a top five quarterback, mm. team, you know? That's Matt Ryan is the, I think, the right name to go to as like the upside play, right? Um, okay, question two. Yeah, like that's the, that's the er version. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Euros are on. I don't even know if you like soccer, but which country are you rooting for? I used to love soccer. I used to <laughs> I used to watch soccer way more than football. Wow. 
Um, I like I, I wasted hours of my life, or I should say hours, months of my life on Football Manager, um, and I just don't really have the time to watch it now. So like the timeline is going off about these amazing games, and and I, I just haven't been watching them, and I feel really bad because I feel like I'm betraying my past self. Who is um, who is your I'll team say, in the past? I'll say I, I, let's say I'll say well I loved uh, the Netherlands, loved the Netherlands. Sure. Um, there's their style of play is so freeing. Um, so I like them now. I can't get over the, the Switzerland guy meme. So I, I think they're my team now. <laughs> the fan who took off his shirt and, um, yeah. Like in that four minute, like yeah. check back and look. Yeah. Kind of looks like Ryan Mickey. Um, that's a good one. I don't, I, I love, uh, for me, it's like March Madness because I truly don't care. So I just, like uh, the um yeah so you see pick, pick a meme team then yeah pick a meme team i just root for chaos and the french uh the french switch game went to pk's and as i was watching it i was thinking like man pk's are amazing when you don't care because they're it's like the most electric television that exists and if yeah. you do care, you it's, care? it's pure it, agony <laughs> torture like my torture. stomach is boiling like it's just awful yeah um okay which i can't imagine like i I used to play a lot of soccer and they would have me kick PKs. And I was just like, why are you having me do this awful thing? I was playing a team sport seconds ago. Uh, um, question three, back to football, the R football. Uh, I'm sure you've seen yeah, the, that uh, viral quick uh, clip of Tom Brady on the shop saying, you stuck with that MFR over me. Been a lot of speculation. I think Mike Floria has done approximately 17 pieces on different quarterbacks that it might be. Um, gun to your head, which quarterback do you think Tom Brady was talking about? God. Um, I mean, the funniest answer would be Jimmy Garoppolo. No question. But uh, the most likely, I think, I don't know, quarterbacks seem to want to go to Denver, right? So, yeah, let's go Drew Locke. Mm, but I don't think that was, I think that was before Drew Locke was bad, when there was more optimism about him. I don't think it's Drew Locke. Tom Brady knows quarterbacks. He knew that Drew Locke was going <laughs> I think, so it, it feels like the, this is like a game of Clue, the culprits are so suspects, rather. I've, I've heard, I've heard Bears writers think that it might be the Bears. A lot of people thought writers. Trubisky. I saw some Dolphins. I think Tannehill was in there. And then Carr. I think it's either Jimmy G or Carr, personally. But. Car would be interesting. Like after the years that Car and Tannehill had, that would make it like really interesting. Right. But they're also both like, are you built on a scaffold of lies? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> Tom Brady's onto something here. All right. So yeah, I don't know. Question four. I've been asking people for MVP picks and dark horses. It's gonna go in a different direction. Who's your defensive player of the year pick right now? Like non-Aaron Donald division? Non-Aaron Donald division. I don't I wouldn't pick Aaron Donald actually this year. But because if I only because of voter fatigue, right? Voter fatigue, and like, there's no way you wouldn't like. I think the Browns' defense regret or the Rams' defense regresses a little bit, and anyways. Oh yeah, that's fair. Actually, I mean, he's still because, the best like, player. Then, if to, to follow good defenses, he's still. No, no I, I get that. Without Brandon Staley and and the the turnover that they had, um, you know what? Let's uh, let's let's stick with the um, let's stick with the division, unless like it's like a returning player, like. Nick Bosa or something. Let's go with Miles Garrett. I think either Garrett or Watt are going to win it. That's actually why I asked this question with this division, because I was thinking about these defenses. And as I mentioned, I still think 
I think that the Browns defense can be a lot better, which helps Garrett's case. And then I think this year's front seven is still going to be good. So yeah, I, I, th- I think there's like a widespread recognition that, that Garrett is like a dude, right. Yeah. And everyone agrees. He's like really good, but there's not like a moment where you've been like, he's the dude. And I think this is the year. Love it. Okay. Last question as always comes from Lenny. Um, Lenny heard you're coming on the podcast. And so he checked your favorite team's schedule and he noticed that they're playing the Vikings in week three. Are you nervous? My God. My favorite team is the AAF Orlando Apollos. 